So, uh, welcome back to Pain to Performance. Thank you for those who listened in last week. This week, we're going to be talking about knee pain and all things surrounding the knee. So, I guess between the three of us, um, what do we typically see when we're going through knee pain? Do you want to kick us off, Chris? Sure. <laughs> um, I guess typically what we see with knee pain, um, from my experience working here, it has been things primarily around squatting and benching mm. um, because I guess a lot of people will run into a few situations where they may not have the right, um, I guess, quad strength, which can cause knee pain, um, but also the way that they are moving through their femur and their tip, I find quite important, um, I guess, when looking at knee pain. Would you guys agree? So I guess with the style knee pain, you're more so talking like the front of the knee, like when the tendon gets pissed off and just starts screaming at you in like the middle of the squat, something like that. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> that's, that's more times than not what I've seen, but there has also been cases where I guess, you know, I've had a few lifters where the, the tib and the femur aren't necessarily working too well together. And it's been the biceps, fem, long head tendon that at, at the back of the knee that's been quite irritated as a, as a result. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's been quite interesting to, to deal with there. I guess that's often like the worst thing about knee pain is it just like fucking jumps around everywhere. You can have like the front, back, sides, like you, know, you can just come like on the side, like you just wake up one morning and he's just like yelling and yeah. just like screaming. It rotates from bottom of kneecap to top of kneecap <laughs> yeah. and you're like, what's going on? The whole thing's inside, inside the middle of the knee itself. Um, what about you, Tom? Um, I guess like it, it's similar to like what we're talking about with shoulders. Like there's lots of different things like that can contribute to it. Like I suppose like one of the biggest things that we find with any sort of powerlifter or lifter is we get specific real quick. So we get very, very good at just like moving one particular way. So a lot of the time that's up down, or at least we're trying to move up down as much as possible. So like, I guess sometimes like it can be like a certain pain where, you know, maybe we're training powerlifting all the time. We get very, very, very good at going up, down, up, down. And then all of a sudden one day we try and go for like a 5k sprint when we may no longer have that certain range of motion that allows us to move forwards and backwards as comfortably. I mean, we all know when we see like a powerlifter move, we kind of look like we waddle or we run or like we don't exactly have the smooth escape pattern anymore. So sometimes it's like very similar to the shoulder. It's just coming back to the, like there's the task demands matching what our body can do in terms of our range of motion, our muscle mass and like the ranges that we have strength to perform in. So yeah, it's very much like, I think it's very task dependent, very similar to the shoulders. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I guess, Dave, in your experience, um, either anecdotally with yourself or with with clients, have you have you <laughs> Dave got is with a pain enjoyer? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I've had, I guess, like I, I, for those that don't know me, I started off with like really weird aches and pains, like all over my body that would just randomly <laughs> pop up, not like squat to save his life. <laughs> yeah, my body did not like me trying to do powerlifting, <laughs> but we're good now. But um, I guess anecdotally for me. Um, it's kind of swapped knees here and there for whatever reason. The biggest thing that's probably helped me is just improving my hip flexion. So that's in turn made me better at squatting, better at deadlifting, um, and just having range of motions available to me so I can move freely and not just jam myself into certain positions. And that's what I see, um, I guess, from like a clinician aspect as well, is people not having the range of motions required for what they're doing. So they might only have you know 45 degrees worth of hip flexion range, but they're trying to squat to depth in a powerlifting squat. So (laughs) they run out of room, they dump, they just forcing the (laughs) tilt their pelvis hard into the bottom, um, run out of room and then their knees go out. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) that's probably the big one that I see is the running out of hip flexion and then knees going ouchy from there. So I'm just looking to restore ranges of motion that they don't actually currently have. Yeah, cool. I guess, and leading on to the next question then, how do you go about doing that? 
Um, so I guess it depends on where they're missing it. So that generally comes from not being able to hold some sort of lumbar extension while they're doing their activities, so squatting, deadlifting, etc. Um, so it depends if they're able to hold it in a squat, but they're losing the deadlift or vice versa. Um, or what ranges of motion they're actually missing, whether it's internal, external, um, whatever it may be. So for me, it's always just starting off with that. So making sure they can hold some kind of lumbar extension. Um, that way they can actually flex the hip without just posteriorly tilting, flexing their lumbar really, really hard. Not that that's a bad thing. It just means they're running out of room. So that's usually my go-to is making sure they can hold some kind of lumbar extension. Yeah, that's good. That works really well at getting like hip flexion really quickly. Yep. No, that's awesome. Um, I guess, have, you, have either of you experienced knee pain when someone's deadlifting? Like, from a client's perspective, potentially? Uh, I, I guess, like, I don't see it very often. Most of the time it's more, um, like, probably squatting or even benching. I guess, like, it's more common maybe sumo. Like, yeah. um, if I see someone with sore knees with, like, a deadlift, it's probably going to be a sumo deadlift. Um, I guess in my experience, that's often been, like, someone... Like they're externally rotating to the bar because they're really trying to open up their hips, get into a position where they can leverage themselves into the barbell. But sometimes they continue to externally rotate as they break the ground. And that could be potentially where maybe that's like aggravating their knee slightly because they're continuing to scoop their hips under, like almost scoop their body into the barbells that are breaking the grounds rather than letting themselves kind of create downward pressure and internally rotating their femur and just like engaging their quads to push and just like contract and stand up essentially. So yeah, I don't see it super often, but I guess like the couple of times I have seen it, usually it's a case of getting that person to still externally rotate to the bar if that's what they like to do, but then almost then internally rotating to break the ground, push through the feet, and then come up into the top of the deadlift. Yeah, I think that that's actually quite an important thing to note um, because for the one person that I have experienced um, or that I have had experience with that has had knee pain when deadlifting, it's because they're they're thinking and they've adopted this old school mentality of like, you know, we need to supinate our feet or we need to be on the outside of our foot the whole time. Tripod foot. Tripod foot, 100%. So, you know, weight on the big toe, the pinky toe and the heel and just really go on the outside of the foot. And that's how we would be walking. So he'd be getting this this essentially like lateral knee pain, posterior lateral knee pain. And it took me a little bit of a, a little bit of time to figure out as to why this was going on until Tom mentioned, you know, how's he walk? And then when we looked at how he walks, he's like, you know, laterally um, putting pressure on his foot when he's walking. So he's you know, walking in the outside part of his foot. So it's sort of transferring to his deadlift. And then the way that we fixed it within like, you know, two sessions was literally getting him to pronate or push through the middle of his foot and internally rotate. And as soon as he did that, his deadlift went up by 10, 15 kilos because like he was able to actually generate force. That's sick. That's good. Which is sick. So major keys there. Pronate to lift. <laughs> Flatten your foot. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Um, I guess another one that I've seen quite commonly, and this, this goes across the board, not only for lifters, but also, you know, your gen pop and general gym goers as well. Um, knee pain when lunging. Yeah. Yeah, this one I've seen really commonly as well. Talk and us through this, Dave. It's been interesting. Uh, well, I actually want to hear what you have to say about this one, Chris. Because um, I've seen it happen where some people get it on the front leg when they do lunges, but then they also get it on the back leg, which I find super interesting. Because yeah. there's a lot going on there, right? Like one leg's in flexion, the other's in extension. Yeah. And the pain sort of jumps around. So I find that really interesting. Do you want to give yeah. us some insight there, Chris? So I guess the first thing that I've sort of that I will sort of look at when looking at someone's lunges you know starting off with the feet because as, as I just explained before feet is pretty important in terms of looking at 
um, if they are pronating their foot or flattening the foot when they are completing the movement. So um, if they typically are doing that but still getting knee pain, then we're going to look at, you know, what's going on at the knee itself. You know, are they super abducted or are they, you know, too far into adduction when they are doing their lunge for the front leg this is um, but then also what's their quad capacity like because I find that with a lot of people that have poor quad capacity um, if the muscles can't take the load the patella tendon is just going to cop everything and if the patella tendon cops everything that's when they're going to be a bit achy in the knee um, I guess from the back legs perspective it's going to be a case of them not actually loading the front leg um, is what I found I like so they're like, just sitting back they're just sitting on that back leg and sort of being like, oh, my, my quad's burning in the back leg and I'm not feeling anything in my front leg. What am I doing wrong? Almost like a reverse Nordic during a lunge sort of thing. <laughs> that's it. So it's like they're, they're loading all the weight in that opposite leg as to the leg that's supposed to be working. So they get really uncomfortable and potentially like a big stretch to that rec fem on that opposite side. Um, but then as soon as you try to get them to shift that load onto the front leg to the working leg, um, it typically eases that makes sense yeah yeah it makes plenty yeah. sense mm-hmm. have you seen anything else different i guess with that tom uh like i suppose like the big one i always see is like you know one-sided lunge feels great feels mad like you know you could just like pump out a million reps at like four thousand kilos on that side and then you jump to the other side and it feels like you can barely stand on it sort of thing like I, I guess like the whole thing with like asymmetry in the body making that very normal like we all have that one leg that feels more stable more balanced but like um I guess like sometimes like when you do feel like it's unstable like we can try and like find that we start like twisting and turning more to try and like create more tension to make us feel more stable and a lot of the time like um if you have like a i suppose like a knee pain it can be that rotation or those torsion or just relying on having to rotate constantly through a hip and twist stuff out like pulling the knees out constantly to create a heap of stability in that leg that maybe feels a little bit more wobbly as you're doing a lunge that can sometimes be an irritating position but um yeah i suppose like the way that i like to try and get around it is like just using like a stability stick like if yeah. someone just feels really wonky on one side of that lunge um you just get them to hold on to something so that they can just feel like they can shift themselves over that leg feel like they can get on top of the leg rather than feel like it's wobbly and it keeps trying to get away from them and that can be really useful just helping get rid of just like pains on the, like that side like that yeah that's where i've been seeing um on instagram i've seen a bit of a comeback with like hatfields except oh, yeah. like split squat hatfields you know yes. lunges hatfields you know just hang on and just, go hard yep you create the stability and just go hard yeah. so i've i've had them in my program for like the last four months now five months and i reckon they're goated like <laughs> goat stage. hands down like so i do essentially like a front foot elevated hatfield ssb more or less mm. um and yeah it just helps me with the, with the stability of having it like a hat field, it helps me really target, I guess, specific areas. So I can change the bias if I want it to be more of an adductor, quad focus. I can change that bias where I'm, you know, leaning more in towards that IR and really flattening out my foot. Whereas if I wanted it to be more of, a, I guess, a, a glute focus, I then shift that position so that way I'm a little bit more abducted um, and a little bit more in a hinge position through that movement as opposed to being quite vertical, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So I think that by having that external factor of, you know, the stability um, from either the cage or, you know, a dowel or something like that, I think that it's, you know, really quite helpful to isolate the muscles in a sense. It goes a long um, way. Yeah, just like taking out the middleman and just hanging on. Yeah, it one, it so much easier. Just to focus on what you need to That's do. just the Kassem thing, right? It's <laughs> yeah. just like you've got more output, yeah. you know, make it more stable. So, um, That's it. yeah, that can be applied pretty well here. I guess when, when we get someone coming into the clinic here to you know, say, oh, I've got knee pain, fix me. 
what are the sort of things that we'd look for straight away Dave what would things be that you'd go to straight away well I would ask like I guess like what movement it's starting with so is it during a squat is it only at the bottom of the squat only the top of the squat one leg both legs whereabouts on the knee is it like there's all the sort of questions you need to ask when did it start did you wake up with it randomly or was there an event that caused it Um, and then once you've got all this information that'll sort of inform uh, what sort of assessments you might run um, or start painting a bit of a picture of what you think the problem might actually be if you've got enough information there so once you sort of actually get to know the person and figure out what's been going on um, then I just jump into an assessment and start looking at yeah available ranges of motion their body weight squat their toe touch um, and after that probably got a decent idea of what's going on even just asking them to show you videos like if they're a powerlifter they probably got videos on their phone of them squatting or deadlifting whatever that's yeah. causing, causing them pain so um, jumping into that would probably be like the first couple things that I would start with um, before getting into like a full assessment and seeing what's going on yeah cool Tom would you do anything different or include I guess anything more specific once you've got more of an idea yeah like the range of motion side I think is huge because then I guess that also gives us a bit of information on like the center of mass side of things too so like um, I guess like range of motion will generally indicate that we can move comfortably through a joint but the other thing we have got to take into account of as well is like where our center of mass is sitting like is it like moving like throughout the rep is it staying like in the same spot because I mean ideally especially when it comes to like the barbell lifts we want to be trying to move as up down as possible and minimizing as forwards backwards as like little as we can I guess Um, especially if we want to lead into more of the the pronation side of things like the internal rotation side of things to create a lot of forces or like coming out of a squat for example like we want to be making sure that our center of mass is staying right in the middle of our foot and we're equally driving the knees forward as hard as we can as we hinge into the hips so everything is just dropping straight down so we need to make sure we have the range of motion to do that like Dave was saying and then make sure that person has the skill to be able to maintain whether it's a technical side of things or whether it's like a, a load constraint kind of thing, just like making sure that they can stay balanced to where they need to be for that lift. Yeah, cool. I think that's, I guess, a pretty well-rounded way between the two of you as to how we would look at, I guess, someone coming in with knee pain, right? Hmm. Um, I guess one of, the, one of the trickier ones that I just want to touch on quickly is like meniscus injuries. Hmm. Um, because I know between research and what we do anecdotally, there's can sometimes be a little bit of a mismatch um, although we do try to stay I guess as close to the evidence as possible um, because a lot of a lot of people will come in and say you know I've got a meniscus injury I can't really load bear or um, these things hurt I don't want to do it to make it worse um, and then they'll go opt for surgery like an arthroscopy and then end up being worse anyway because there's not great outcomes following arthroscopes anyway mm-hmm. um, so I guess what's your management strategy surrounding that? I guess like so the meniscus is meant to like withstand compressive forces so like it's a very strong part of structure and like we can sometimes have those people have changes to them in this guy and be completely asymptomatic and then those changes are symptomatic as well so I guess we're talking about the the ones that confirm symptomatic sort of cases Um, one of the best things we can do is we can try and make sure that at least we're sharing the compressive loads between like the medial lateral sides so this might be a little bit where we're starting to look at you know can someone's limb rotate when it needs to to potentially avoid um, you know like 
valgus and varus stresses which we can share between rotation stresses at the same time so kind of what i mean for example is like if someone's constantly in a position where they're finding their knees very adducted they're like in that valgus position it's typically thought of being very bad um, it's not necessarily bad but it's more so making sure that person can internally rotate their femur at the same time so at least they're like they're sharing some of the load between both the medial and the lateral in this guy as they're moving into that more adducted or valgus style position so it's yeah it's very much just confirming that we can rotate the femur in and out depending on where the meniscus is being stressed or where it feels like it needs to be sharing the load yeah. and then just kind of then progressing and slowly introducing more exposure to load over time and make sure it all feels good yeah cool i guess if we were to give a few examples as to let's say you know a lateral meniscus issue um what would be two exercises that would be your go-to i guess like so theoretically if someone like is feeling like it feels uncomfortable when they compress their lateral meniscus that's probably going to be coming from like more of a valgus style position where the knee's coming in because if your knee comes in then it's going to be more like kind of compressing the outside of this guy maybe that feels uncomfortable for someone so i guess one of the things i'd like to do is make sure that that person when they move into the adductive position um, they can comfortably adduct internally rotate those motions that generally move like together or couple together um, so i'm going to make sure that person has an ability to i suppose like kind of perform his extension internal rotation and adduction like comfortably nicely together they're not trying to like um, I suppose like excessively fine they really need to valgus that knee to like encourage or cause that coupling to happen together which is one of the reasons why we can see knees come together in a squat um, so I guess the the first and foremost kind of thing I'll start with before I pick the exercises is just working out whether this is more of like a lifting style thing or this might be day-to-day because -day. if it's lifting style thing I might be working more on like um, potentially like bilateral exercises that's going to be helping them with squatting deadlifting yep. it might just be more so just getting them to actually slowly expose themselves to those positions where they feel more in a foot more pronation more adduction like i suppose just expose more of those positions and let the coupling happening together yep and then maybe if it's more sort of outside of the gym where it's like more maybe like running or walking going upstairs that's where we'll be probably looking more at your single leg exercises so your bulgarians where you have like the stick and you're letting yourself like kind of take the balance component out of it and you shift yourself into that more adducted internally rotate position that could be really good and then other movements like hinging is often very nice at making sure we have space to get into internal rotation yeah, yeah they're kind of like where i would start cool dave do you have any any that you would go to i guess for either a medial or a lateral meniscus if you've used uh, done any before uh not particularly i think the other thing that i've seen like more with the medial stuff is the the big like crank knees out super ah, super yes. hard and sometimes excuse me <coughs> Sometimes all it's been is simple enough as just like stop pushing your knees out so hard. Yeah. And that'll just sort of take away some of that stress that's happening on the inside part of the knee. Um, again, like you've mentioned with uh, the other filler that you had was stop being on the outside part of your foot. Uh, two sessions later, things are feeling pretty good again. So um, I don't think I'd have any particular exercise I'd throw out there straight away. It would just be looking at how they move, their motor patterns, how they're performing exercises. Yep. and start with those big rocks first before throwing in any sort of big interventions. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, um, I mean, is there anything else, I guess, that you guys would say to take away and look for with your knee accessories? Or not like, I guess, not knee accessories like, per se. <laughs> <laughs> I guess more... It's knee day today, <laughs> gentlemen. It's knee day. Um, I guess more with your lowers accessories if you are someone that is experiencing knee pain. What would be, I guess, sort of like, if, if there was to be like a, a two or three step um, you know, a flowchart type thing, you know, tick boxes, what would they look like? 
I suppose like the way I approach it is uh, make sure we have hip flexion, then make sure that we can push our knees forward as we're going into hip flexion simultaneously, and then just get big ass quads on top yes. of that. Yeah, good. Like my three. That's sick, dude. Um, yeah, I'd probably say the same thing. I'd say just be specific in your intent with your accessories. Like, don't just say, okay, cool, I'm going to train quads now. And then you just do belt squat leg extension. Yeah. And then call it a day and go home. Um, granted, those are fine exercises, but I think having a purpose behind them is really big. So finding out what ranges of motion you're missing or maybe where you're weak and maybe where you need to get stronger in certain positions um, and throw those in there so that they're actually helping and aiding your lifting as well as obviously helping you get jacked as well so yeah um whether that's with the health of the help of the coach or you know a clinician like tom or chris here um just finding out what you need to work on and knowing what's going to help your lifting moving forward can have a big role with you know choosing the right accessory for you um i guess actually like answer the question of like what sort of checklist you would go through to find what accessories you need to put in uh, again that would be working with the coach but um, I guess figuring out the things we've been talking about recently, are you someone that needs to get better at getting on the inside part of your foot and you walk on the outside or you used to be a big knees out enthusiast? Yeah. So choosing exercises that will encourage you to flatten out the foot, whether that's something wide stance where you know, you're forced to be on the inside of your foot to uh, create force. So there's a bunch of different things you can think about. Um, and if you stop to think about it yourself, you'll probably come up with a couple. Um, you just have to sort of put some time and effort into thinking about it. So. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Awesome. I think that was. Um, I think we covered the knee quite well, and I guess things that we can run into with the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone does have any other questions or anything like that surrounding things we've covered today, feel free to reach out through Instagram um, with all of our handles, all being our first names underscore Perfomotion. Um, <laughs> so Chris, Chris <coughs> underscore Perfomotion, Dave underscore Perfomotion, and, and or Tom underscore Perfomotion. There, um, feel free to reach out. But until next time, um, enjoy and. Get strong quads, guys. <laughs> Happy days. Cheers.